When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. DBL Dad Bad Land is in the house. Welcome, everybody. We are, but we are not in the house. Technically, we're not this in the house. This I'm is in Dad my house. Bad Land. This is the <laughs> podcast that discusses all the music you love from the point of view of a neighborhood cover band. We've been in the studio for the past couple of months, but because of a series of unfortunate events. We're on Zoom again, like during the pandemic, the bad old days. I'm Adam Good Feldman. Times. Uh, I'm Kevin Burke, your uh, co-host of this podcast. Who else is in this virtual house we've got? Well, there's a guy who owns the real house. It's just me and my house of wax this week. That's Brian Frank. What do you got in your house of wax this week, Brian Frank? Uh, this week we have The Who Sell Out, the band's third album. That oh, is nice. interesting. I'm very it interested in talking inter- about I, that. You know what? I'm interested. I am looking forward to talking about that, actually. This was a week of surprises for me regarding that. Um, Ma- me speak- too. I can't wait to talk about it. But also, I want to say Jeffy Branion is not here tonight, not even by remote the way that we are. Um, before we get to anything else, let's get to the tragedy, the tragic events of today that led to us being here by remote. And for that, I want our beloved engineer, producer, editor, Kyle McGraw to step up to the microphone. Kyle, why are we in our homes tonight? All right, guys. So uh, we are in our homes tonight because my car failed to start. So what happened? Did you did your catalytic converter get stolen? <laughs> it did not. But, you know, if it's anything like COVID, like where we're uh, waiting for all of us to have this problem, you know, I, I guess I guess that's, that's where we're headed. You know, your catalytic <laughs> converter, my battery... Is shot. So it's your battery. Um, it's it's the battery, but it stems back a few months ago. I usually take my car in and get the oil change and get a car wash. And the guy that's there, he's just always just trying to like rip me off, right? <laughs> One example in right. particular, and you keep going there. Yeah, I mean he does a good job. It was like four thirty, right? And I was like, okay, I want to get the you know the interior cleaned and everything. And he's like, okay, yeah, it's going to be 100 bucks, but we probably won't get to all the seats. And I was like, all right, why well, are you going to charge me 100 bucks for that then? <laughs> so that, was, that so wasn't the last time I went. Uh-huh. The last time I went, he opens up the hood, and he's looking at my battery, and he's like, you want me to clean that up for you? And I was like, nah, it's good. Oh, It'll be fine. Set up. Oh. This was clearly a setup that would be coming back later in the story. And I totally forgot about it. It's been like, I don't know, like a month or two since we got got anything uh, fixed on it. And I think what happened was like the catheter is just like not connected. Okay, uh, Ky- like Kyle, that, that would be the, that wouldn't be a catheter. That would be a cathode. <laughs> I was, I was thinking, I don't, uh, I don't know enough about cars that I thought I did. I was, I'm interested no, the, in how, <laughs> the how battery you, terminal. See, you put I, a I think in, what, in a battery. Yeah. I think what happened was that guy pulled the catheter from your battery. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 months ago to punish you, and that's what well, happened. he set it yeah. loose, and it would only took a matter of right. time, and it just kicked. Well, you know yeah. what though? But but last time it's been a little bit of while since we've been in the studio because the holiday. I mean, doing a big recording like the holidays. But Adam, you got your you got your catalytic converter 
returned last time we were on this, right? Oh, they, we, had, is that, is that where we left things? <laughs> yeah, you had, you had, you had yeah. it. You got it back because they had there was that giant bust, yeah. and they found Cadillac. You could have gone to pick him up, right? Because you had a totally working car. Well, as you know, Kevin, and our listeners don't, <laughs> that didn't exactly happen because not four days after I got home with my car, before I even had a chance to put one of those, you know, shields on it that you have, um, mm-hmm. my catalytic converter was stolen again and my car is back in the shop. <laughs> I am now, I am I'm sorry that I'm laughing. I am now repaying my insurance deductible on this shit. Uh <laughs> Pretty soon, so I will days. have bought a car's worth of catalytic converters. <laughs> you so you got it like fixed on like a Thursday, and yeah. like Sunday, it's on Sunday gone, gone. In fact, in fact, my car came in early, so I was going to have one of those shields put on my catalytic converter like sure. you have, but mm-hmm. I didn't have time to do it because uh, <laughs> the car came back a little bit early. So I was like, all right, I'll call the place on Monday. And of course, Monday, I start up my car and it sounds like an outboard motor again. It sounds like like a, like a somebody has hooked up a, a, a you know, a, a two-stroke to a raft. Whoever's doing that, whoever's doing that must be just sitting on that corner waiting for each yeah. time you bring that car and be like, oh my God, he did it again. This fool. <laughs> That car's not coming home until it's got the the protection that the Kevin Burke uh, family has on theirs. <laughs> or just next time you buy a catalytic converter, buy two. Oh no, I'm not going to buy two. That's thousands and thousands of dollars, Brian. All right, let's. I don't know on. how much let's, these things cost. Kyle, my condolences on your catheter. Let's let's yeah. move things along a little bit. Uh, I'm glad that car problems don't typically spread like COVID. Yeah, no. that's right. <laughs> no, but Except, we may be proving otherwise on this show. We really could right. be. All right, moving on. Now, the big events happening in the world of uh, the, you know, the Kevin and Adam Chronicles is that the new Guardians of the Galaxy trailer yeah. dropped um, today. Dropped. Well, it as dropped recently this. as yeah, we're recording dro- this. As we're recording this, this very day, moments before we got on this Zoom session. And we've talked about this before. I mean, the the, the two soundtracks from the first two. Um, Guardians mm-hmm. of the Galaxy movies. They're fantastic because James Gunn has this propensity to revive forgotten songs and make them cool again, even though they're not cool be- moments before the uh, the soundtrack comes out, like like the Pina Colada song or Mr. Blue Sky, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Kevin, mm-hmm. what's the new song on the new Guardians of the Galaxy 3 trailer? So, so I watched the trailer, and the first shot, yeah. I'm like, I know that piano. I know that backwards piano hit. I know exactly what that is. It, of course, is In the Meantime by Space Hog, a song yeah. that yeah. yours truly definitely spent many, many minutes and perhaps even hours arguing about its greatness on this very podcast. Yeah, so not, not its greatness. We, you were you were arguing uh, not about its rock greatness, charts, not even Rock once. charts? What part of you rock were charts? You arguing about its popularity. Well, and rock well, on the rock I was going to say it will now out chart anything <laughs> uh, yes. that you suggest, Adam. Ab- yeah. Absolutely, <laughs> unquestionably, yeah. it is the new Pina Colada a, song. A long you con. Win. This has been a long con for me to be tempted, and I have just done it. Yes, but you've also proved my point that that Space Hog is kind of the new Blue Swede. Uh, may- maybe. <laughs> because I think I think you watch the Guardians Christmas special. He's moved. You know, you watch Pete. Um, peace, uh, what's the guy? Peace, God damn it! what's the, cut this part, because I can't remember the name of the show. Uh, what was the show he did? Peacemaker? Peacemaker. Okay, let's cut this back. You've seen Peacemaker, he moved into a bunch of, like, 80s hair metal, and now, yeah. in the, in the Guardians Christmas special, Smashing Pumpkins, now he's got Space Hog, like, he's moved yeah. into the 90s in this third one, 
And uh, I think it's it's more but, decade based. Decade based hits no people forgot about than it is well past the, the time. The time difference is not fifty years anymore. We're talking twenty five years. Yes. And, and I wonder if he's going to be mining our hidden treasures for the soundtrack. If he's not there already, might, we should be that we should is be laying totally, down some clues. That is That's totally possible. I want to give a shout out. It's possible that James Gunn listened to this to this show because I uh, worked with for a decade and I'm friends with his brother, Matt. So shout out to Matt Gunn, who, by the way, among the other things that Matt Gunn does is he uh, annually for his friends and family puts out a playlist of the best songs of the past year. Oh, cool! Very music identified. Well, I'll family. tell you what. I'll tell taste. you what. If we watch Guardians three and and Magma shows up, then I yeah. totally. I, I can we declare know. myself the greatest podcaster in the history of podcasting. <laughs> yeah, I guess I think that's can. pretty clear. Yeah, yeah. that'll be indisputable. Right. My influence uh, will be indisputable. What else you got going on, Kevin Burke? Um. Well, yeah. Actually, I have, I have a story I have to tell because this has been a while since we've been here. We, you know, we had the Thanksgiving break and whatever, and um, right. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. It's thank yes. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone here and everyone listening. Um, it's kind of a sad story. I just want to share it to you. I just want to give a heads up. But you know, this show's been been great, and we've generated a lot of fans and feedback um, with people sending in all their suggestions and stuff. And uh, a friend of mine who hadn't from high school who I hadn't talked to in in God, I mean, almost thirty years. He was not on much social media. You know, we didn't really interact, but we talked all the time when we were in high school. He became a loyal listener to the show right right when it started. He started messaging me about music and about you know just just the very various topics we had brought up brought up. You know he uh, he was stunned. Um, there was an episode we did about where the clash of should I stay or should I go wasn't a big hit, and he he was telling me that just blew his mind. He thought that song was so massive, and to find out, I think it didn't even crack the top forty or something. It was just kind of a not lost even close, yeah. Song yeah. we we covered that, so he suggested we do. Um, you know, famous songs that everyone knows that weren't actually hits when they came out. So we would have these conversations for a bit. And I thought it was great that music brought us to be able to start to have a conversation again after decades. You know, it was sort of the unifying wow. thing. But um, but I got a message from a mutual friend about a week or so ago. But my friend and this guy named this guy's name was Nate Lahendro. He died in a in a plane crash before Thanksgiving. And uh Oh, it was wow. awful. It was awful. And I mean, honestly, just I can't I can't even process like what an awful sort of thing that was. It was a small plane and and all that. And um and it's been a strange year. A couple other people in my circle have passed away suddenly. So this has been like one of those Thanksgiving moments to so really appreciate every moment we have, you know, and uh and to be able to have friendships and to be able to maintain these friendships kind of with music and about these subjects. This is like the thing that glues us all together. And I just wanted to give a little shout out to Nate for being a, a big fan. He suggested the show to everybody and, and, and just kind of point that out there, you know, like this has been a, this has been a great experience. I'm very glad we've all had a chance to talk music. I'm glad it's been influential in people's lives and uh, life is short. So let's keep doing this. Keep rocking. And, Keep yeah. rocking and and uh, wow and sharing our love Ke for this, Kevin. I, I, thanks for sharing that. I, I, I'm obviously everybody who's on this podcast, and I think almost all of our listeners are people who identify with music to the point where that's a point of communication between. It, it's something. It's something yeah. shared. So um, yeah. So it, it, just it like let me, just let me just raise a toast then to Nate Lahendra. Yeah, Lahendra is his last name. 
Lahendro, Nate yeah. Lahendro. Yeah, I mean, like I said, great guy. He's one of those guys that everybody loved, you know. So yes, raise a toast to Nate. Um, and, and Nate, for it. better or for worse, this episode of Dad Bandland is dedicated to you. <laughs> All right. Yes, I think that's he would have loved that. He would have, loved, especially since Space Hog is the, is winning this. Um, no, yeah. you never talked about Space Hog with Nate. Uh, no, I did not talk about Space Hog with Nate. Just to be clear. <laughs> Thank you. But but I do. Uh, yeah, I mean, we did talk about, we both love the prequels, and so for that, there's another reason, oh wow. my god, this is a good guy. So there Oh, we are. man. All right, Anyhow. this is the Nate LaHendra episode, and uh, Dad Bandland is going to be back, thank you, Kevin, right after this. DBL! DBL! DBL. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Dad Band Land is back. DBL, DBL everybody. is back. Steaming into the holiday season. Jeffy Branion not here, but he is here to tee up his jukebox. Uh, meanwhile, we've got me and uh, Kevin Burke over there. Brian Frank, who is lurking in the transom of his house of wax, waiting for Jeffy's jukebox to be over. <laughs> Filled with opinions. <laughs> <laughs> and a long list. And All a right. long list. But meanwhile... um. Kyle, I believe Jeffy sent you his Jeffy's jukebox topic that we're going to jam on after we hear what it is. Can you uh, can you play that for us? Absolutely. Here it is. This week we have a fantastic selection from one of our first listeners, Nate Lehendro. He suggested we talk about classic songs that weren't hits when they were released. Welcome to Jeffy's jukebox. Yeah. All right. That is still a great topic, and I've been I've been hoping we would get to it at some point because because now yeah, there we, we are. A world we now we live in a world where you have access to all things at all times. It's kind of impossible to believe that there were times certain songs you might have loved or everyone knows you know they're omnipresent. Simply weren't nobody was weren't hits. Yeah. yeah, nobody was interested in them. Uh, let's let's do it. I mean, I, I guess Nate threw out the first one, which was. Um, should I stay or should I go? Should I from- stay or should I go? Which we talked about briefly when we covered the album from whence it came, which was uh, Combat, Combat Rock. Rock by yeah. The Clash. Yeah, and and Brian, can you refresh our memory? I mean, I believe that that should I stay, stay or should I go didn't didn't crack the top forty was not was not a hit. Yeah, I I don't think I don't think it did, uh, and that's what I wanted to ask too for this topic. How are we? Um, determining what, <laughs> what was the popular parameters? at the time, right? Was it uh, top forty? In, in my in right? my brief, that, in my parameter, I looked right? at That's it. That's a popular I at, song. I looked at it being generally top forty. You know, I have a couple examples, right. but I looked at generally being a song that would be maybe maybe a certain artist's most popular song today didn't even crack the top forty upon release, which is something that could be there. And, you know, and then there's those that didn't crack the top forty here, but because of their popularity in the UK eventually made their way over here yeah um, right. and then there's should a I whole say, other should subject I go, 
hit 45, by the way. 45. Doesn't count. Yeah, does and not 17 40. in the UK. Yeah, I would I'm say something that was even UK. number 30 doesn't count, you know, because who <laughs> I would, would argue who would that? Know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I would also say that there's another category and I'm sure we're going to list some of those tonight. There's another category of these which is songs that didn't crack the top 40 but were played a lot on MTV. Right, that's mm. a good point. That's a very good yeah. point. That's a good one. Um, so I was trying to, to find first. ones that didn't even do that. Uh, why don't you go first, Kevin? You brought this to All us. Right, well, yeah, you know what? I think I have one that, that, that I've always found somewhat stunning because, uh, you know, as an artist I've talked about before, one of my favorites. And if, if everyone in the world, you know, wanted to pick his most iconic song, it's probably the song Changes by David Bowie. Did not crack the top 40. Did not end up being a hit on this side of the pond. Wow. A, yeah. And if you right now, if you were to say, what's, what, what's a David Bowie song? Everyone's brain goes straight to ch- 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 changes, right? Was not it's a hit. the name of a greatest hits collection. <laughs> exactly. Changes. A name of multiple greatest hits. And then, yeah, life. everything has changed was another one. It did hit. And this is why I asked for the parameters because it hit number 41. Yeah, not like, top 40. Close. Yeah, no. Close. Exactly. Yeah, yeah Close. but not number I mean, forty-one fifty years ago really can't. Really yeah, can't. and he didn't uh he didn't get a number one till fame, which was which was mm-hmm. three or four like years nine later. Nine years um, later or whatever, yeah. Yeah, and then uh but yeah, but change is probably his most iconic song, the song that's been redone a gazillion times, the song that showed up in a Shrek movie. So much better known than fame, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not a hit. Not people a hit. people who capacity. think of fame think of the late Irene Cara and you know uh Peace to you, Irene Cara, by the way. R.I.P. Right. right. Uh, Lost her very uh, recently. Um, uh, Kyle, you want to drop a needle on changes? Cool. Oh man, that's a yeah. great, great song. It is. Uh, it is a great song, and it's like I said, it's omnipresent everywhere. Not a hit. <laughs> Not a hit. Fantastic. Uh, Brian Frank, you want to go next, or are you still sure. curious and and un- unconvinced about the parameters of this? <laughs> no, I, I'm all in on the parameters. I want to make okay. sure that I chose one that fit the given parameters because I've got a list. All right. Uh, <laughs> so my uh, my yeah, tune. Do. Yeah. My tune is is from a, a little band called the Rolling Stones. Oh, and right. much like Kevin, you think about some of their most iconic songs. I almost chose this one, song. Yeah. And <laughs> one of one of the songs that comes to mind is You Can't Always Get What You Want. Yeah. Which was named the hundredth greatest song of all time in Rolling Stones five hundred greatest songs of all time. Right? Right. It uh let's see, it was on Basically, all of the Rolling Stones' greatest hits compilations, right. right? All of their live albums. I mean, every single one. You know, our our former president Donald Trump played it at his rallies, which is a really fucking odd choice, by the way. <laughs> it, it, it was when you think it about odd. it. It was odd. Right? And he was asked to stop, uh, and he didn't stop. And he was asked to stop, and he didn't stop. And um, when the song was originally released in 1969, didn't chart at. All oh really? Fellas. Didn't even make any chart. Well, wait, hold but, on, hold on. Not like yeah. this isn't, and this isn't 
early unknown stones. This is like prime era, well popular stones. Did this it is chart? Let It Bleed. Yeah. <laughs> let It Bleed, 1969 Rolling Stones. Did not chart, but the band, God bless them, did not want to give up on the song. They reissued it as a single in 1973. And even when they reissued it, number 42. Oh, wow. wow. There you go. Well, that's fascinating, yeah. too, because there are bands, and I think about this a lot, there are bands that I pick up their greatest hits and they keep putting like a certain song on there that, that I know is not a hit, but they keep you clearly can tell they keep trying to make this a hit. They keep trying to make Fetch happen. And I'm like, why are you guys <laughs> still doing this? Like, well, this is not going to be a hit. But they, they've made that one a hit just by sheer force of will. Uh, right. Turn that into. Uh, a I know I've mentioned good. to you guys before. I've I've played that song because we I was in a Stones cover band with a female Mick Jagger and a female uh, uh, Keith Richards, and that song was fun to play on the. Please, obviously, please fun to play on the keyboard. The, please tell me you sang the falsetto intro though. Can, was that you? Yeah, no, I didn't. <laughs> um, but I did play both the piano part and I think there's an organ part in there too. Yeah, but the piano part, of course. During the uh, during the chorus, the the descending piano line right before uh, you get what you need is pretty special. Yeah, no, that's a great it. song, an all time classic. Yeah, I hear that egg. Best use of an egg you shaker. <laughs> Won the Grammy for that. Yes. But if you try sometimes, you might find you get what you need. So good. Oh, uh, yeah. Good payoff. Absolutely. Yeah. That song is fantastic. And not a hit. Not, not a hit. hit. Not a hit. All right. A classic, but you, not a hit. What have you got here for us, Adam Felber? Oh, I'm going to bring this one in because this song is, uh, it's one I love. It's not my favorite by this guy, but we've talked about this guy a bunch of times without ever throwing a needle drop down. And if you were to ask people uh, what, you know, to, to name your favorite Elvis Costello song, you might go with this song, which not only wasn't a hit, I don't think it was a single, and it wasn't written by Elvis Costello. Rather than... Uh, <laughs> Where's this going? <laughs> rather than rather than than, than uh, belaboring, uh, hey XTC Kyle, just um, just just drop the needle on this beloved Elvis Costello classic that never charted and never even came close. Label mate, his label mate, who I believe produced his first album or two, didn't he? Sounds about right. I'm not a huge Elvis Costello fan, but I do know about that and Nick Lowe. And there's a documentary about Stiff Records that's very entertaining. 
I got to see it at some point. That song, that song is wonderful. It is beloved. It's kind of, it's kind of well known to a lot of people because in the early days of MTV, when MTV only had like seven videos that they could show, that was one of them. <laughs> um, you, you know, what's interesting is I, I knew that song more by title than I know the actual song. I listened to it today when you sent it. I'm like, it's not a song that I know. I, I don't know the music. I know the title because it's such a famous song that people discuss. I don't hear it on oh, the radio you, very often. I've never oh, heard so the song. Did you like it? I thought it was good. I thought it was good. Yeah. I thought it was. It was a good, I mean, again, I'm not. I'm like Brian. I don't know enough about Elvis Costello to know what's good or bad Elvis Costello. But it was catchy. I mean, it was enjoyable. Yeah, that's good, Elvis Costello. And and you know what? You could do worse than to <laughs> investigate maybe his five finest albums. I, I know I've mentioned him on the show a bunch. This is the first time yeah. I think we've played him. Um, but that song, iconic. Uh, one that is forever linked to him. It, there would not be an Elvis Costello greatest hits collection without that on it, and it wasn't even a single. I don't think. That's interesting. That's yeah. That's kind of mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah, there it is. Mind blown. Do you want to do another round, guys? Uh, yeah. We don't yeah. have to drop the needle on all of them, but just give me one. I'll, yeah, I'm going to throw out one because this this is a song that is probably probably at this point this this band's most most iconic song that everyone would associate with this band. And uh, when it was released in 1986, this song did not even break the top 100. I'm not even sure it broke the top wow. 200. Yet, and the reason I'm bringing this up, 36 years later, this past summer, it actually broke the top 40. And I am, what? of course, I am of course talking about "Master of Puppets" by Metallica. Oh did my God! Not, did not chart at all. It was the only single off the album. No charting. 36 years later, because of Stranger Things Season 4, breaks the top 40. Uh, 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 an outrageously unexpected event. Wow. True story. Funny thing about Master of Puppets is that because of Jeffy Branion's deep affection for that song, though it's out of his genre, we've mentioned that song many times many on times. this show. Yeah, absolutely. And you can never mention it too much. <laughs> I agree. You can never mention it too much. And, I did, agree, and what's great okay. about it hitting the top 40 now, it didn't hit the top 40 because of original fans listening to it. It hit the top 40 because in a whole new generation, it was like, what? What is this? And they finally brought it to, to, to a top 40 song, which is amazing. That is amazing. Brian, what yeah, do you got? Sim yeah, similarly, without a television show, uh, Fleetwood Mac's Landslide, which was on their 1975 self-titled album, never charted. But in 1998, it hit number 51. But again, one of the most iconic songs from that band. It's a song. Why? Think about Why their greatest hits. Think about radio. Think? What happened in 1998? Great huh. fucking question. <laughs> well, there was a live. There was a live version uh, on the dance on their live reunion album. Oh, and so maybe that must have pushed uh, that. There was because uh, that came out in '97. A couple years earlier, there was a Smashing Pumpkins cover was released it's a great it. cover it is yeah and that that's probably the first time i heard it to be honest was the smashing pumpkins version so that uh and then it led me led me over to fleetwood mac which was great um yeah you never know that's like everyone's dream that's a i have that dream with all my shows is that someday <laughs> someday in one day years, it's gonna, gonna be yeah. a generation like wait a minute i want to watch this now um unsung un unsung uh like um pink floyd comfortably numb Never charted. But wow. that's insane to me. Classic rock radio is bizarre, too, because the idea of a single yeah. 
is bizarre to me because I, I remember looking up that there were Led Zeppelin singles. I'm like, why did they, as far as I could tell on classic rock radio, every Led Zeppelin song was fair game to just play on the radio. There was no, there were no <laughs> totally. singles. Yeah. There was no like, can we play this even, song or not? Even back in the days of singles when we were young, it wasn't a thing. But it was a thing 10 years before any of us were listening to music because, you know, the, the age of the 45 was over by the time any of us right. were listening. Yeah. But the 45 w- was a big deal. And I, and I think the I age have of MTV. Immigrant song. Sorry, I was gonna say forty-five. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, yeah. I think the age of MTV <laughs> brought back sort of the single as well, where you wouldn't hear songs on the radio that hadn't been released yet with a video so much. So, but come to Led Zeppelin, the idea that they're like, here's your forty-five of immigrant song, here's your forty-five of a whole lot of love. Like, why bother? We've got nine songs on here we can just play. <laughs> and, and half the songs you think about from the eighties, by the way, there were so many that that you knew from MTV that are that super huge that didn't chart. Because MTV right. was a little ahead of the curve. They were doing a lot of the new wave stuff. One that surprised me, and this is um, smack dab middle of the 80s, and it wasn't a huge MTV hit, but I didn't realize that The Cure, in between days, didn't chart at all. Didn't even oh, wow. make a ripple. And that, that well, song to me... Boys is, Don't Cry. Boys, when Boys don't, cr- don't Cry came out, that didn't chart either. Not on and a dance charts even? It. No, and it never, and when it first came out, no charting at all. And then they reissued it in 1986 and it hit number 26 in the UK, but that's it. Here's one that I want to drop on you because this one I didn't know about until I was like asking Google today to help me out with this very question. (laughs) And and because it's going to make us all smile so much, I'm going to ask Kyle to drop the needle. I know we've talked about Stevie Wonder a lot, but please enjoy this Stevie Wonder non-hit. Kyle? love that song so hard everybody does um it was more than six minutes long so they didn't make it into a single then they clipped it down for uh like a year and a half later they clipped it down for a um to single length and it charted on adult contempt on the adult contemporary charts um peaking at number 23 uh but but it 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 never cracked the hot 100 and and it's you know certainly one of stevie wonder's best known and best loved songs but absolutely was yeah. not a single. I have one one more I want to throw in, which really stunned me, being my age, um, is that Pearl Jam's Jeremy, which is arguably their most famous video and fam- possibly their famous song at the time, off of off of Ten, never released as a single. Never considered MTV. a commercial singer. MTV never actually a commercial single. They didn't they re-release it as a single in 1995 yeah, when think, it hit number 79. Yeah, years later, well past yeah. the didn't they? Like, like three or <laughs> yeah. four, three or four, three albums later, they said three, maybe we should release a single. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah. yeah, but at the time, summer of 92, when yeah. that thing was everywhere, and yeah. that was the most oh, like, yeah. defining thing, yeah. not a single. If you check the Billboard you know, Hot 100, yeah. nowhere on it. It, it was MTV. That's really it was a weird time. Yeah. And there are a lot of those uh, early 90s alternative bands, just like uh, the rock bands of the 70s, like Zeppelin, like we were talking about, that they songs that were big to us or songs that were big on the alternative chart which at the time was just the alternative airplay chart, not sales chart, right? Right. right. Got nowhere near yeah. the Hot 100. Yeah. Nowhere near. <laughs> no. But for us, that's all we were listening the, to. I don't world. think we could yeah. name... I don't think we could name a song, Kevin, that was on the Hot 100 in 1992. I was about to, I was about to say that that was at the time. We should too, look it I, up. When, when Garth Brooks. I feel the same way about 1985. Like, there was nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll look yeah. it up and I'm like, what are these songs? Who are these people? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Never heard of That them. was the summer of Achy Breaky Heart, yet J- Jeremy was nowhere near the top. Right. Yeah, that's amazing. They're very similar songs, though, so that's probably why <laughs> one charted and the other didn't. Hey, before we leave Jeffy's jukebox, uh, Kevin Burke. Yeah. Did Jeffy send you anything for his own jukes? You know what? He did. And honestly, I was a bit stunned by both of these that he sent. Number one right. here he sent, which I would consider one of the top three, if my if not my favorite song by this band, Break On Through to the Other Side by The Doors. Never. Wow. Was not, was not a commercial success. I mean, iconic, vital, not successful. Possibly my favorite Doors song. And then the other one, which stunned me, and I haven't done the research to, to know exactly what, what the deal is with the song, Jolene by Dolly Parton. Not a commercial. Was not a hit? Not a hit. Number 60. Number, Number 60. 60. Wow, that's, that's on that's Brian's list, too. madness. Yeah. Kyle, that's get madness. ready to drop a needle on Jolene while I drop this knowledge on you. I, I think I've mentioned this before. It's a well-known wax fact. Uh, Dolly Parton wrote Jolene on the exact same day that she also wrote I Will Always Love You. She wrote both of those iconic hits on the same right. day. Well, one was an iconic hit. The other one is was was not a hit. It just... Uh, it's very iconic fun. songs, then. Thank you very much for the correction, Kevin. <laughs> well, it's just like, you know, I don't know if you guys realize that Billy Ray Cyrus wrote both Achy Breaky Heart and Jeremy on the same day. <laughs> is that true? That's right. That's true. Very true. You know what? You never hey, get Kyle, misinformation dro- on this show. <laughs> drop Jolene on us. Before I drop it, I got to give you a cat fact. Uh, we got our cat uh, a year ago on this day, and her name is Jolene. Cat facts. We call her oh, JoJo. Cat facts. Wow. Cat facts. I was hoping you were going to say and her name is Master is. of Puppets, but that's cool. Whatever. Continue. <laughs> okay, right, so, so in the interest of no animal cruelty, drop the song and not the cat. <laughs> okay. of auburn hair with ivory skin and eyes of emerald green Your smile is like a breath of spring Your voice is soft like summer rain and I cannot compete with you Jolene He 
talks about chewing his sleep And there's nothing I can do to keep from crying When he calls your name Jolene That's beautiful. And and Kyle is uh, flashing flashing some real Jolene at the screen right now, too. And that's not, that's not a euphemism. We're seeing the cat Jolene. <laughs> that song, I got to say about that song, you know, so many songs lyrically are sort of like rewrites of other songs and other sentiments. There is no song like Jolene. Right. That's it takes crazy. a very special approach to, like, buttering up this woman and begging her not to take your man. I just, I just love it. Yeah. And I love this podcast, and DBL will be right back. DBL! DBL! DBL. All right, Dad Band Land is back. DBL's in the house. Adam Felber, Kevin Burke, Brian Frank, and the now-missing Jeffy Branion. Jeffy's been missing before, but but where's he gone? I don't know. I thought I heard a high-pitched squeal, like a shriek, like somebody was having an organ removed or something from oh, that house specific, over there. Where that's where a specific uh, squeal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you could just tell. Um, <laughs> uh, felt like a kidney being pulled through an opening, oh, not quite kidney. large enough. It was definitely the left. Yeah, kidney. left I kidney. Tell. It was it was a catalytic converter. No, no, you're calling them catalytic converters. Yeah, that's what you call them. Yeah, it's a catheritic converter. Catheteric the human converter. catheritic converter. There is definitely a ring <laughs> stealing the human catheritic converters out. And I swear to God, that's the sound Jeffy makes when someone's pulling out his kidney. His kidney? Oh, yeah, I, same I one. Just, I just feel like that's got to... It's definitely... I've heard that before. I don't want to say where. But because we're standing in front of this house and Brian's on the porch and the scream is coming from the third floor, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> let's not be rude. Let's go and enter... Now, uh, Brian, we're, we promise we won't come past the mud room or the no, living room. we will not go up that staircase. <laughs> Guys, I've been, um, my mom's been visiting since Thanksgiving, and she's, uh, you know, been taking care of her. She's staying up in the third floor bedroom. <laughs> oh. Oh, is that what's happening? Oh. Hey, that's, are yeah. you wearing a dress? <laughs> that's interesting. <laughs> are you wearing your, a house that, dress, Brian? Is that your regular hair? Usually you have shorter hair. <laughs> Not pulled into a bun, if I recall. That's yeah. interesting. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, just uh, if you're going to use the bathroom, don't go into the shower. <laughs> you got it. I wasn't even thinking wasn't about it. Do I, it. I, the, your lawn will be fine for us. Uh, I uh, I already took care of what I needed to do after I heard that scream. Um, <laughs> hey, Brian, what's playing in your house of wax today? <laughs> Tonight we're talking about the third album from the British band. The U, uh, from Shepherd's Bush, London, uh, The Who Sellout, uh, which was originally released on December 15th, 1967. Should make it around 55 years old right now. Um, the version I listen, listened to was from an import. I got a limited edition box set of all 11 of their albums remastered on 180 gram vinyl and the original ones in mono. So I actually listened to the mono version of the Who sellout, Same. which in mine includes the promotional poster that a reprint of the poster, which originally only came in the first thousand copies. They put 500 wow. uh, in the uh, first 500 mono and 500 stereo. And uh, I've got the poster wow. reproduction as well, which is fun. Um, 
So some wax facts. Uh, this is a this wax is a facts. fun record for wax facts. Um, the album was produced by their co-manager Kit Lambert, who had also produced their previous album and uh, Tommy as well, um, and Live at Leeds. And executive produced by their co-manager Chris Stamp. And if you don't know anything about Lambert and Stamp, uh, there's a documentary just about them, the Who's mm. managers. It's great and very entertaining. Uh, and those two guys came up with the concept of this concept album uh, and pitched it to the band. And um, this concept album is essentially a fake uh, broadcast by the pirate radio station Radio London. Uh, and that's important, which I'll talk about in a second. And also the reference to the Who selling out was purposeful. Uh, it was ironic because... The Who had started making actual commercials at this point in their career. And so I looked this up because it, it's pretty interesting. They're fake. So for, for anyone who hasn't heard this album, there are fake commercials. It's like a radio broadcast. There's little radio promos for the station and there's fake commercials. Um, but The Who had been doing uh, commercials. They did a song for Coke. And so I did some research on this. And it's pretty interesting. In this period... The Rolling Stones did a commercial for Rice Krispies. Whoa. Cream, Cream did one for Falstaff Beer. The Yardbirds did um, instant milkshake mix for Great Shakes, which The Who actually did later, but then Townsend was conflicted about it, so Keith Moon ended up doing that uh, commercial. Uh, I didn't know Diana any of Ross, this. Oh, Diana Ross and the Supremes had their own line of sliced bread oh my and, god yeah and um this coca-cola thing that the the who did apparently in the 60s they had tons of artists doing coca-cola songs marvin gay ray charles aretha franklin the trogs the bgs vanilla <laughs> fudge and apparently there's I, I didn't have the time to look it up i'm sure it's online somewhere and you can find it on youtube but there was a bootleg cd apparently that came out in the 90s that had all these Coke commercials from the 60s. Oh, wow. so That's worth, amazing. Uh, amazing. Um, so back to the, the radio theme, um, for those of us who did not grow up in the UK in the 60s. <laughs> so uh, anybody but BBC, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the BBC at that time didn't really broadcast pop music or contemporary music. And there were these pirate radio stations um, and that uh, broadcast rock music. And that was important for The Who, for The Mods. It was a big influence on all these uh, kids that were growing up, including Radio Caroline, Radio Scotland, wonderful Radio London. Uh, and this is where a lot of these songs were played. And this is what the you know young people were listening to. Um, at the same time, uh, the Who started touring in the U.S. in like 67 when they did uh, Monterey Pop Festival. And they realized in listening to the AM radio that it was very similar to what pirate radio was in the U.K. Right, and because so, the U.K. didn't, we should we should make that as a sort of a program sure. note, a, a non-wax fact, but a broadcast fact, is that the U.K. back then, and to an extent still today, exerted a ton of control out over broadcasting both television and radio and there were very very few uh stations to be had 
when I was living in London in 1988, there were still only four television stations, the BBC One and Two, and two ITV or independent TV stations, and that was it. And still to this day, there's BBC Radio One, and it's the British Broadcast Corporation. So it's a public, you know, public radio. So uh, then what happened uh, on August 14th, 1967, so essentially four months before this album came out, the Marine Broadcasting Offenses Act came into effect which shut down <laughs> and outlawed all pirate stations. Because we should mention, these pirate stations could not broadcast on the island, so they were in boats broadcasting oh, right. in, in the waters. Right. And so that's why it's the Marine Broadcasting Offenses Act. That's amazing. So, um, I was going to say, did you ever see right. there's, a, there's that Slade film where they're broadcasting from those like war towers out in the middle of the ocean. Yep. Just these like horrifying yeah. like tankers that they were having a broadcast yeah. radio. That's fascinating. I didn't know why. That's amazing. You should look that yeah, up. Yeah, and there's there's actually stuff. there's a movie. Yeah, there's a movie. It was like a, a comedic movie ah, for maybe ten years ago or something that was about one of these radio stations. Oh, cool. Uh, on the ship, it's a comedy. It's great. So, um, so that's the setting for this album's release in '67. And another part of what happened was uh, previous to that, the year previous. Uh, the band had released an EP called Ready, Steady, Who, where they covered the Batman theme, as well as uh, Bucket Tea by Jan and Dean and Barbara Ann, you know, that the Beach Boys had made famous. So this is some of the context around recording this album. Uh, they, um, as I previously mentioned, played the Monterey Pop Festival uh, in the summer of 67, came back to the UK, uh, recorded for three weeks in September, and released, uh, they recorded I Can See for Miles, which was released on October 14th, so two months before the album, uh, which is the single on this album. It hit number nine in the US, which was their biggest hit to date, wow. and number 10 in the UK. And then in October, uh, when that single came out, they went and recorded essentially the entire rest of the album. Um, while playing shows in between, which was how things worked back then, right. which is amazing to consider how these bands uh, worked, that they were playing gigs, going in the studio, playing gigs, going in the studio, then mixing, then the album was released like a month later. Um, so when this album came out, it received widespread acclaim. People thought it was the Who's best record. Uh, it's you know since been mentioned on all these all-time best lists and everything like that. Uh, but it was the band's lowest charting album to date on the UK albums chart. Huh. It only hit number 13 and it only hit number 48 in the US. Uh, wow. So <laughs> it, it's one of those where critically acclaimed, yeah. maybe not commercially accepted. And uh, I'll give us just uh, one uh, fun fact and then I want to hear fun all the fact. impressions. Uh, so the opening track of this album. Armenia City in the Sky was actually not written by The Who. And this is the only song The Who ever performed that was written for them by somebody else. And it was written by a guy named Speedy Keen, John David Percy Keen, who was Pete Townsend's driver 
and roommate. Oh, wow. And eventually was in a band called Thunderclap Newman, which I've actually listened to and is pretty cool. And one of those band, weird UK bands lost to time. And uh, later in his life, he was a session musician and played on records uh, with Rod Stewart and Kenny G. Oh, wow. Wow. All right. Wow. That is some wax facts. Now, Kevin, you and I both have history with this album and didn't know this album hardly at all. So well, let's, yeah, yeah. who I wants mean, to I go first? I don't, I don't know how much history I had. I mean, I, I had a history of knowing about this album, not a history of listening to this album. Go um, ahead. But let me put in the, in the context, like, I've always liked The Who, but I've never... I never loved The Who the way that I loved like Led Zeppelin or Black Sabbath or the Rolling Stones. Like I, I've had, you know, Tommy and Who's Next and Quadrophenia and like all the Who albums you're supposed to have if you're a dude who likes rock music. But I've never been like, oh man, I got to go put on Tommy, right? I've never been, I've never, they've never been that band to me. Um, I, you know, I, I like the handful of songs, but just sort of felt like I, I um, listened to them out, out of obligation, out of somebody who was like, all right, I like classic rock. I should listen to this band. So I so there was some trepidation I had putting on this album, and I loved this album. I don't get I don't hear your perception. I had no idea that this is what the Who's. I mean, I knew that there was bits that there was some shtick between songs. I knew that aspect yeah. about it. I didn't know how much I was going to enjoy the songs. I did not. Well, let know, me let me cut yeah, in then the so details. that we can enjoy yeah, this how together. Get, how did you come to this? All right, in the fifth or sixth grade, my one of my best friends, David Cassow, and I became big Who fans, and 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 our for, our, for real or because you we, thought that was a thing to do in fifth grade. I just want to know. You know, I I think it was a <laughs> I think it was a little bit thing to do, but it wasn't like we had a lot of friends in fifth grade who were, you know, the, the Who was a little bit past it at that point. But we became huge right. fans, and our friends kind of followed suit. But of course, just like you, it was about who's next. It was mm -hmm. about Tommy, like right. in, by by seventh grade, it's about Tommy. It was about Quadrophenia. It was even about um, who are you, right. you know, well, they, and, and they were still a functional band, right? I'm imagining. Oh yeah. yeah, by the yeah. time they by the time they came out with Face Dances after Keith Moon's death, I was or you know I I was already deep into the Who thing. I went and saw them play Shea Stadium with the Clash wow. warming up for them. Wow. Then the Clash was, I was I was kind of by that point I was kind of as more excited to see the Clash than I was to see sure. the Who, but I was super excited. However. I didn't listen to any of their '60s stuff except as part of their greatest hits. So I knew, I can see for miles. I knew, can't I knew explain. what the cover of the Who sellout looked like. I can't explain. Sure, my generation, but also I had this feeling about the Who, which was that they didn't even learn how to record an album the way the Who should until the '70s. Oh, because, wow! Because because <laughs> you listen to I can see for miles, and you listen to this entire this entire album, and the production is is um just you know really thin you've got one of the greatest drummers in rock history and you can barely hear him right. john entwistle this incredibly steady bassist all these things that would start to come to the fore in who's next uh you know it's just thin i didn't pay much but attention I, but to i would say stuff. you say thin but it's it's possible that might be its strength too getting into this might, might. it might be its strength because now now i'm gonna flip it over and come to come at it the way you are I love this album when I listened to it in its entirety for the first time this week. I was delighted. Yeah, I could not yes. have been more delighted. Yeah, but it. I, I would say that, like, I mean, this is an album. My general take on on the Who is that is that there's a lot of pretension, you know, and there's a lot of big '70s bombasticness. And whether you go with that or not, this album has a sense of fun and a lack of pretension, and uh, and the songs are tight and '60s and poppy, and it's garage rock which we'll put into the context of even like a Jack White sound versus like 
a Metallica sound being like seventies who like that that's its charm. Its charm is that it feels it feels like four people jammed into a small well, studio. Hundred percent. That's and that's the interesting part. Dividing the who by decade, mm-hmm. if we do that, 60s, 70s, 80s. You could the do that. The who were this pop art mod band in the 60s, completely different from the macho, muscular sound right. of the 70s. But they got so much bigger in the 70s that people don't realize how they started. So if you're not a big who fan, if you haven't done all the research and watched all the movies like I have, you miss it. You know those hits from the right. radio that we were talking about, like My Generation, all that stuff. But you don't actually know the story and understand the evolution of the band. And I find that so interesting. And I and I share your guys. You know, it's not like we were alive in the 60s listening to this stuff. So I, I only listen to it retrospectively as well. And I'm like, wow, this is like a whole different band from this <laughs> other band than Agreed. I thought it was. Like it's a, and, and so confident. Great. In my mind, a much so cooler band. what they're doing. Yeah. What's yeah. that? They were so cool. In fact, I want to I want to say this. I mean, this is t- uh, 2022. As a result, we've covered a few 1967 albums already. We didn't cover the Beatles' seminal Stars and Pepper sure, from that, which sure. was the but big psychedelic. I've never so heard this of is a that huge, one. This yeah. was a huge year for uh, psychedelia. We covered Piper at the Gates of Dawn, right? Which Pink this Floyd, reminds and we me covered, of in a way. Yes, and we covered the Kinks. Uh, something else by the Kinks, well, and, and, um, you know, and both Jimmy considered Hendrix. like. Yeah, but but both of those two that I mentioned considered like seminal English sure. psychedelia examples. This piece of fluff that the Who tossed off in December, I like better than both of those. I I I mean, oh God, it's, well, I I I Piper is such a such a favorite album of mine, but I never expected. Like I don't think this is a perfect album, and this is obviously not at the same no. level of Sgt. Pepper. I don't think I don't think it's the same level as at Piper's. But is this the most fun I've ever had listening to the Who? Absolutely. Like I've never, yeah, I've never. I laughed out loud in songs. Like I found songs. I laughed at Marianne with the shaky hands. What the, what this girl laughed, has going for her? A, a, I laughed at Heinz, over, Heinz baked oh, beans. Was music comedy? Oh, it's great. It was It was it was it was arrangement comedy. It, it is set up the song, and I don't know if you want to hear a sample of it or not. But the song is set up with just someone you know wants some tea, and then, then a, a big band keeps coming in to respond to that, and the band keeps arranging bigger. That's like that's on Tommy. That would be some pretentious song about finding your artistic soul or something. That is a comedy about eating baked beans. I'm into this. I am into yeah. this record. I am too. Um, as I say, Marianne with the shaky hands. All she's got going for her is that her hands shake a lot, and apparently all the guys come running for that <laughs> over all the other women. Um, and, and and that song tattoo. Yeah. Where. Um, it's, it's kind of that disturbing, but also kind of lovely about how, you know, I got this tattoo because my dad said that, uh, you know, long hair isn't manly. So this guy and his brother get a tattoo. But I wanted to drop a needle on tattoo because it does. There is some musicianship here that's just amazing. Uh, the, the influence of Jimi Hendrix on Pete Townsend is very obvious. And um, but Keith Moon decides that on, uh, on, on the song Tattoo, Rather than than lay down a conventional drum beat, he is going to play the rhythm of Pete Townsend's guitar riff so that they're playing together. And I would love to, uh, Kyle. Can you drop the needle on the beginning of Tattoo? It's it's cool. Man, a man. Was it brain or 
Hear how he's doubling Pete? Right. Right. Lovely harmonies uh, throughout the album. Well, and the production being less of a giant, like you were saying, Brian, this big macho, you know, we're this Led Zeppelin-esque group of people that do these giant bombastic things. It ends up achieving a, more of a rock sound at moments because it, the pop production can't hold the rock sounds of the guitar sometimes. It's distorting at times. Like the band's trying to escape yeah. and it sounds so much cooler like this garage rock band trying to escape this little space they're in. It just sounds more pure and more rocking than anything that I have in The Who after that. Very true. And as Brian could tell you, those gigs that they were playing um, in between recording this were anything but this. They were playing loud. They were known as this yeah. crazy live act. They were the guitar smashers um, in, in live shows. Absolutely. And what struck me, too, was, you know, you have these uh, fake commercials like Heinz Baked Beans and, uh, you know, the acne stuff and all that. But the, the funny one to me, too, was Odorono, which was like an actual, it was like product placement in a song. <laughs> a whole song. It's, right? It's yeah. a love song. It's a whole song about deodorant right. that happens to be mentioned right at the end. <laughs> but the weird, the, the weird one for me that I wanted to ask you guys about uh, was, is the closer. Right. Uh, and I don't know if you guys made it that far uh, to... Real parts, one, yeah. and parts two, one and two, a political song about China invading Israel. <laughs> is that <laughs> what that one's about? That is what that one's about. Interesting. I didn't and, know. Uh, I didn't know. I didn't follow the the. There's two parts to it. I didn't follow the storyline of that one. Well, the storyline uh, of that yes. one is some guy who's who's like going in and uh, and and telling the captain to come back for him at a certain point, and 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 they're never coming back for him. Yeah, well, uh, I'll read you some some lyrics. Uh, The red chins in their millions will overspill their borders and chaos then will reign in our real. The country of my fathers, a proud land of old order, like a goldfish being swallowed by a whale. Real, the home of my religion, to me the center of the earth. My heritage is threatened. My roots are torn and cornered. So I'll do my best to homeward sail. Like you said, Captain, listen to my instructions. Return to the spot on Christmas Day. This is crazy. If a yellow flag is fluttering, sickly herald against the morn, then you'll know my courage has ended and you'll send your boat. Anyway. And and then the captain says, this guy's crazy. We're never going back. Yeah. I did not. (laughs) He's crazy if he thinks we're coming back again. Well, that, okay. That's ceded Israel to China. That is. I mean, what's fascinating about this, I don't even know how to phrase this. If our listeners are just coming to this. What's fascinating about this just conceptually, and I'm just learning that this is what that song's about, is that this album is ostensibly a concept album, but it's not a a concept album in like the preposterous way. Like, no, none of these songs have anything to do with each other. So you can have a song about big beans. You can have a song about deodorant. And then you can have a song about China invading Israel, and it, and it fits into the tone of this eclectic, like bizarre group of songs. That the, yeah. the only thing that brings them together is that they're 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 put into this weird 
pirate radio sort of theme, which isn't like later who, where you have to follow some storyline and you're sure you missed something and you're not sure who's singing what and what's going on. This is the opposite. <laughs> this is the opposite of that, so, where it's a bunch of just interesting ideas, and, you know, congealed in a way that made sense. Well, do you think Silas Stingy is an interesting idea? <laughs> well, I think that's, there is definitely that, uh, that era of, uh, I'll call them like Dickensian song titles that the Beatles were into it lasts about a year 67 68 where they're all into these English dance hall Dickensian characters and and that's uh they're in and out I mean that sort of that sort of weird storytelling and songwriting does not last past 69 like it's over (laughs) no Arnold Lane Lane, right yeah it's over so fun. Um, I want to point out that this whole like radio station concept album thing would just happened again last year or this year, didn't it? I mean, it's with it with a much deeper approach, but the weekend's new album. Oh, right. 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 Dawn FM. Yeah. Dawn FM. I mean, that's that's yeah. more of a that's that's a little deeper thing because the radio station is a is a metaphor for some kind of uh, purgatory or something. But it's 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 a very similar concept. Well, I do. Beans. I do find it interesting that that I, I yeah, minus the big. <laughs> oh, you beans. didn't hear the baked beans track? On <laughs> yeah, it's that a one? bonus. No, track. no, I didn't. Um, that that Pete Townsend after kind of after this, he can't stop making concept albums. He was making concept albums about about being an aging rock star in the '90s, if I remember. Like he could not sh- like this is fun because it's like yes, it's a concept album, but it's really a collection of good songs. After this, he kind of can't go back. Like that, he can't put it back in the bottle. You know, he just he's just obsessed yeah. with that. No, they, they, they made some, obviously, they made some great stuff. In fact, um, all the stuff that we think of as iconic Who songs after this. But this is the most fun they were ever going to have. Yeah, yeah. And I love the sound, the guitar tones, the the vo- the, vo- the the vocals. I love everything about this. This is this was, dare I say, this is definitely my favorite Who album. You were wow. super reluctant to do this Super one too, reluctant, because, super reluctant. Because yeah. I just, like I said, they're fine. But I, what I didn't want to do is just have an album that I felt was mediocre. You know what I mean? I just didn't want to go into that because people don't talk about this the one they they don't revere it the way they do tommy and quadrophenia no i i see it on the list of greatest ever and i think that well it must be because of the song i can see for miles but it has nothing to do with that no it's genuinely fun and clever and the other thing i wanted to mention for the the vinyl heads out there um the original pressings of this record ended in a locked groove which was a nod to Sgt. Pepper, right. which had come out in May that had the lock groove in the end. And the lock groove was a snippet of a fake ad for their record label, Track Records. Oh. That was the locked groove on the original. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Line. So it's like the winks keep on coming. And if you go on streaming, there's all these super deluxe versions that have all these other commercials right. And it's great. I was listening to some recorded. of it this week, yeah. and and they give you yeah. both the, both the, the stereo and the mono version. Both yeah. are worth your time. I listened to both. Yeah, I mean, they did. Yeah. They were doing the same kind of crap that everybody was doing with stereo at, at the time. You know, a lot of channel shifting, but they did it. I thought very cleverly. Um, and the mono version just kicks ass. Yeah, it crushed. Highly recommended. Like a, a surprise. Highly recommended this week. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, thumbs up. Yeah, I, I don't want to keep you because I know you've got your mom and whatever made that sound up there, Brian. But uh, <laughs> yeah, thank you for this. <laughs> that was his mom. His mom made the sound. Now let's back away. Mom. Let's slowly back away yeah. and and don't take your eyes and, off of him as we get in the car. And peel out. And yeah, yes. DBL will be right DBL. back. DBL. 
Dad Band Land, recording remotely because of Kyle's car, without Jeffy because of some reason. We're here, it's the holiday season, and we're going to take us the rest of the way home with one of our favorite segments, Hidden Treasures. Hidden These are songs treasures. that somewhat similar to Jukebox, but different songs that maybe should have been, maybe not even hits, but just songs that you should know that maybe you don't. Right. And we're bringing them to you, and you're always bringing them to us. By the way, if you want to do that, send more Hidden Treasures or Guilty Pleasures or any of your feedback to dadbandland at gmail.com or hit us up on our many socials. Kevin, talk to me about Hidden Treasures. All right. All right. So this is a hidden treasure. I couldn't figure out if it's a hidden treasure or a guilty pleasure or hidden pleasure or a guilty treasure. This is just one of those songs <laughs> that fits all the categories here. And it's it this ca- this song came out one month after the Who Sell Out. So this is firmly in that era that I do mm. love of weird, preposterous psychedelic music. And you do um, realize you already did the Bowie laughing gnome thing, right? Y- y- yes, <laughs> yes, Adam. I do you realize there's more than one song that fits this category? I just want you to know we can yeah, yeah. So we can move down this list. <laughs> I have barely scratched the surface. We've seen the tip All of right. the iceberg. L- of Let's my keep list. chopping down that oak tree then. Of Anyhow, Let's do it. Uh, my hidden hidden treasure is this. Okay, so everyone on Earth knows knows about Un- Iron Butterfly. They know one song of Iron Butterflies, right? Everyone knows In a Gata De Vita, right? In a Gata right. De Vita. Yeah, everyone knows this. Everyone on Earth knows this. But what no one is willing to face is the truth that there are other Iron Butterfly songs. There are Iron Butterfly songs that aren't <laughs> In a Gata De Vita. And I, I have long been willing to expose myself to this music for society's sake, for the betterment of humanity. And um, this is a song. This is a song called "Unconscious Power." It is from the album known as "Heavy." And and listen to this arrangement. Listen to the lyrics, especially because they're preposterous and bring me so much joy. This is like if the Brady Bunch did acid this is what their songs their music would sound like and it's this is a, a non-inagata devita iron butterfly song called unconscious power we all want to prepare is going to happen It will linger in your mind forever Let this carry you wherever, wherever Triggering the unconscious power Yes Whoa, that bass. <laughs> that bass. Whoa, that bass. It's relentless. Yeah. Yeah. It is That's relentless. That's really fun. And the organ. Boom, ba 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 Oh, man, unconscious power. So if you ever want to go down the wormhole of, in the, of Iron Butterfly songs that no one's heard of, <laughs> the rewards are vast. I'm just going to let you know that right here. Wow. I, I have been on that journey, and I've come back with the message that you should all do this. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I've never, I've never had that itch. And, no one, and now you know I'm what? No one has. People buy that album. People buy <laughs> that album. They never go on the side two. They just they're like, all right, I bought the album. Side one, it is. That's the only thing that. They In know. a God of That's all they know. Well, there's more songs. There's plenty wow. more songs. 
<laughs> wow, that was that was a really fun little trip. I don't know that I'm gonna actually uh, stamp punch my ticket to listen to the rest of that <laughs> album, but I'm <laughs> I'm glad you brought it it's here. It's available. Um, I'm gonna bring the room down a little bit. Then it's, this is a ballad, <laughs> but um, it's 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 a fun one. And you know what? I don't even think this is a hidden treasure, but this version of it might be a hidden treasure. This is a song that was written by a guy that a lot of people haven't heard of. It's been covered by many, many artists, but never as a hit. Joe Cocker had a single of this song, never was a hit. Uh, Mandy Moore, lots of people cover this song because it's one of the most beautiful songs ever written. And here's the bonus. This version, which I love so much, if you were to search out this song on Apple Music or Spotify, this wouldn't even be the version of this song from this artist. Because his his more acoustic one without a band is the one that you'll hear. The artist I'm talking about is John Hyatt, and the song the song is the absolutely beautiful "Have a Little Faith in Me." Have a little faith in me 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 Well, have a little faith in me I win Could not recommend that uh, that song more highly. Couldn't recommend that version of the song more highly. Also, if you if if there's anybody out there that loves jazz, maybe even on the slightly progressive side, the great guitarist Bill Frizzell uh, recorded that uh, uh, on an album that I love. The album's title: "Have a Little Faith on oh, Have a Little Faith in Me." That was a great version. Yeah. that was really killer. Yeah, yeah, you should listen to the whole thing. It's beautiful, and it has my single favorite key change of all time <laughs> towards the end of that. How did you Just come across that? Wow. Were you familiar with that version first? Is that no? I was I was listening to Bill Frizzell's new album, and I and oh. even though there's no lyrics on it, and it, he bends the melody in interesting ways, I'm like, that is a cool composition. I love what I'm hearing there. So I actually sought out other versions of it. Interesting. That's really cool. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Have a little faith in me. And I have a little faith in Brian Frank to bring us home. <laughs> All right. Well, last week, the other week, Jeffy brought one of my favorite hidden treasure bands, Failure, uh, to the table. And Jeffy and I were remarking that they're a the band is a hidden treasure and all of right. their music is a hidden treasure and all of the songs are great. And I want to do the same for this band. So in New York in the 1990s, there was a band that my people, my scene, we all loved and supported, and they were just incredible. And there was a hope and a feeling that maybe they would become really successful, but they did not. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that they were not absolutely amazing. Um, the band is called Quicksand. They started in 1990. They put out two albums in 93 and 95. Then they broke up in 99. And uh, 
they reunited on June 10th, 2012. Uh, Laura and I were there uh, at their reunion at the Glass House in Pomona for the Revelation Records 25th anniversary. Um, they came out with a new record in 2017. And the reason why this came to me is two days ago, they put out a new song. It's a dub track with Lee Scratch Perry. Wow. That sounds nothing wow. like what they sound like. So instead of playing that, which would be an outlier, I want, uh, Kyle, if you could drop the needle on a song called Thorn in My Side. That's, so that's amazing. Their, wow. That's from their second album called Manic Compression. You, you know, <laughs> ah, that's great. I, I'll tell you it's what. It's kind of got I, a Jane's Addiction vibe happening it, there. It, I love it, it. I needed that in 1995. Why did I not have that in 1995? That sounds fucking great. That's what I was looking for. Right? I remember distinctly being like, where, where is yeah. some up-tempo aggressiveness going on there wasn't enough of it and i knew of this band i was living in new york i knew of them they were all over new york all the time i never happened to go to see them but they were they played new york throughout the 90s right they were yeah i think incredible. i picture knitting factory marquees and stuff like that absolutely they were an incredible live band i mean they are an incredible live band because they're back together um sergio the bass player ended up being in the deftones oh, okay. uh in recent years and and just left and is back with quicksand full-time Start with Slip, yeah. their first uh, full I'm length in. from 1993. Dude, it's every time I listen to it, I'm like, you know what? It was that good. I'm not misremembering. <laughs> right. They were no, that, that good. That wasn't just my 20s. Just that small sample good. was yeah. exactly yeah. right. Speaking wow. of exactly right, you, our listeners, are exactly right. Send your questions, comments, and your own cover band experiences to dadbandland at gmail.com. Follow us on the socials. Dadbandland is produced by me and Jeffy Branion. Editing and Starburns production by Kyle No Car McGraw. Our theme song is by Adam Korn. And wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This just in. I have once again forgotten. <laughs> But let's have this as a coda. There's no law that says that you have no, to do credit. No, we can change the orders, whatever. We're, this is a rock show. We can do whatever the hell we yeah, want. this is a rock show. All right, Kyle McGraw, now that I've already credited you, step forward and please hand out your crown of fame for tonight's hidden treasure. Uh, hands down, the crown of fame goes to Brian Frank. Oh, right. Absolutely. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. Brian Frank, who, who Kyle, who, were you. you familiar with the band or, or not? I, I was not, but I mean, you know, I told you guys that I, I was uh, that I thought I could guess whose uh, <laughs> hidden treasures was was whose, and I got to tell you, I got to tell you why. So the album cover for your song, Adam, it just really looked like something that you would listen to. <laughs> <I> gotta, <laughs> what? And just describe this album cover so we just all know. Okay, at home. okay. it's like the twentieth century album 
cover, like just the one that you see, like for like Matchbox Twenty. I've seen like dozens. Oh, the twentieth anniversary. The twentieth. Uh, yeah. Twentieth anniversary. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, twentieth okay, century sure, masters Adam. collection. Oh yes, that's what it is. Which, by the way, is not the uh, one that contains the song that we heard just there. But I hear you, Kyle. The one that Kevin and Brian had. It was a toss up. I was like, okay, it could go either way. But then once, as soon as. Uh, Kevin said, I think he said something about it being like psychedelic. I was like, okay, I got yeah, this. Yeah, and the cover of, <laughs> of Iron Butterfly Heavy is the band. It's like a painting of them next to a giant ear. They're listening to this enormous like ear <laughs> statue. <laughs> These are things that America doesn't think about, but I do. So I want you to be all be proud about that fact about me. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It was great. And no, and you know what, Brian? Brian, I saw the cover of. of Quicksand, and it definitely looks like a 1995 album cover. Like it's some, you know, sort of twisted art that looks all scratched, like it was barely printed. It's yeah. pretty cool. Firmly gathers in '90. Yeah. Before I even clicked on it, I was like, "This is this is from the mid '90s." And then, uh, yeah. knew it. <laughs> but yeah, it's great. And we could, should we just fade it out now? <laughs> yeah, it's let's just faded. let's just it's fade it out because we, we haven't thought of an ending. It. Hey, everybody. Dad Bandland is saying goodbye to you in a fading out way. We're getting farther and farther away. But we could still be talking Bye. somewhere right We're now. We're still forever. talking. We're still having the conversation. Forever. See you next week on DBL. Dad Bandland, a, podca- <clears throat> a podcast network.